Welcome to Set on Sunday, a podcast by Kelliville Anglican where we talk about what was said on Sunday or even what we didn't have time to say on Sunday. We are passionate about being deep in the Word of God and doing life together in community. So thanks for letting us into your week as we learn more about Jesus together. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to today's episode. How are you going, Dave? G'day, Beck. Lovely to see you again. Yeah, we sound a bit different today, a bit more professional. We've been professional for years, Beck. Absolutely. Years. We also have um, producer James in the room with hey, us. Hey, what's up, people? <laughs> wow. You sound really cool today, I know. James. I've got, I've got the power of the console. <laughs> That's it. Oh, man. That. Stop it. I told you to warn me before you're going to use that no, next time. No, why would I? I'm going to throw you off <laughs> mid-response. Just be like, yeah, no, nah, that's no good, Beck. Let's Excellent. Because yeah. I need help to yeah. be thrown off. Yeah, totally. thanks for that. All right. Um, okay, let's get down to the serious business. Let's. We have a lot of serious questions, actually, some really deep questions. But before we get into those, why don't you give us a bit of a rundown of what you talked about on Sunday, Dave? So Sunday we were uh, in Matthew chapter 5. And which is the start of what we call the Beatitudes uh, or Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we just dipped our toe in the water uh, and had a bit of a look and sort of what's sort of going on in here. And uh, we saw that uh, these are all about the kingdom of God and the blessing that comes from being part of the kingdom. Uh, And with these blessings, we need to cultivate them. Uh, and help them to grow in our lives, but we have them already, so we don't have to try and earn them in some way. We, mm-hmm. we have them, uh, and they're quite challenging uh, to, to sort of cultivate a poor-in-spirit attitude uh, and, you know, blessed are those who mourn and the meek and the hungering and the thirsting for righteousness. So it, while we have them, there was still a significant challenge for us. Um, mm-hmm. So I felt it personally, mm. preaching it. I'm not sure whether... People felt that as, as we sort of went through it. So, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised there's lots of serious questions mm-hmm. uh, because we, we want to take Jesus' words really quite seriously. Mm, definitely. All right. So to kick us off, what does the word beatitude mean? Beatitude just means blessing, Beck. Okay. That's an easy yeah. an easy question. Yeah I, um, yeah. I don't know if we need to go any further. No, no. Well no. answered. Okay. Good. Excellent. That's the master's degree right there for you. <laughs> there, that, yeah, that is. that is. It's also an Oxford Dictionary degree as well. So There you go. Yeah. You can read. Excellent. <laughs> um, all right. So another question for you, Dave. Why did we only look at some of the Beatitudes? Yeah, I don't like the other ones, Beck. Um, right. Too, no, hard. <laughs> yeah, too hard. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, so we, we need to think about how we would approach uh, this really important section uh, and Sometimes I feel like when we, we come to important parts of Scripture, we can tend to run too quickly and uh, not stop and let them sit in our hearts and our minds. And so I was very keen uh, to sort of slow down with these, uh, with these parts, with the uh, Beatitudes. So, yes, yeah, so I wanted to slow down mm-hmm. uh, and just sort of dip our toe because it was the, it's the end of our Matthew sermon series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we are going to come back to the Beatitudes mm-hmm. and we're going to again sort of go back over this. I'm assuming by the time we go back, no one will probably remember the sermon from last week. <laughs> so I'll probably preach it again um, and uh, and go again uh, because they, it is really important. So that's why we only looked at some. It's, okay. it's not that I don't believe in the rest of the Beatitudes yep. at all. Bit of an intro. Yeah. We'll come back to them. Yep. Okay, so our next question is, I've heard the word blessed 
could also be interchanged with the word happy. How can someone be happy when their life is full of persecution? Is it okay not to be happy in these situations? Yeah. So lots of, uh, there's a few questions in there. Um, yeah. Let's start with the definition of blessed or blessed. Yeah. And is happy a good interchange? Um, uh, it's probably valid in terms of uh, there's, yeah. So with the words that sit underneath um, in, in the Greek, there's different ways and different meanings depending on the context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so happy is probably not a bad translation just of the word itself. Uh, however, as language develops, uh, happy, you know, for what happy meant back then to what happy means now is very, it's quite different. Mm. Uh, and so therefore I said on Sunday, happy is not a valid translation. Like I just don't think the word these days uh, is, is what, you know, Jesus wanted to sort of convey to us. Mm. Um, and sort of I, you know, blessing for me is more about God's favour mm-hmm. um, that, is, that is upon you rather than happy because happy has all sorts of connotations. Of, it's really superficial yeah. emotion. Oh, that made me so happy. Yeah. Like it's not mm. really that deep-seated blessing from God yep. that makes you, oh, so happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's really superficial emotion. Yep. Yep. Yeah, whereas there's a depth. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yep. Okay, so the other part of that question is um, how can we be happy? Like well, we've just talked about happy might not be the best yeah. the best um, translation, but even so, how can someone be happy when their life is full of persecution and is it okay not to be happy in these situations? Um, I actually have been doing a bit of thinking about this myself um, and it's a difficult question to answer as someone who doesn't have a life full of persecution because I feel like I'm not really speaking with authority on the topic because I don't have that lived experience. Um, But when we look at the lives of Christians who are persecuted, we can find real encouragement and an example of how to maybe not be happy, as we discussed before, um, under persecution, but certainly to have a joy. Um, And an example that I came across in my study last last semester is a woman called Perpetua, who was a young mother. She would have been in her early 20s and had a a baby boy, and she was imprisoned um, for being a Christian and um, was quite worried about her baby, who she was still breastfeeding. So she was absolutely terrified and dismayed about her situation. But at the same time, um, we read, because she wrote a diary, we read about her response to her situation. And while she was suffering and was really distressed, she also had great resolve and even joy in her suffering um, because she knew that the real spiritual battle had been won by Christ and she was sharing in his suffering. So there's actually a passage where um, when they were um, basically told they were going to be executed for their faith that they, she, she was with other Christians at the time, they left rejoicing because mm. they were going to be sharing in Christ's sufferings, which is amazing to me. So you've got at, at once she's terrified and distressed but also rejoicing. So I think that you don't – to be happy or to be rejoicing doesn't mean that you don't have other emotions at the same time. You can be like stressed and suffering and rejoice at the same time. What do you reckon, Dave? Yeah, I, I, I think that's, um, I think it's a great story mm. um, and, and a really a, a wonderful encouragement uh, for us because, yeah, like in, in the, the West uh, in which we live, it's uh, while being a Christian is probably harder than it's ever been, mm. uh, it's in nowhere near uh, the state of play that many Christians across the globe uh, deal with in terms of, of their faith. Mm. Um, uh, 
And yet some of them are the most alive Christians you can come across mm. uh, in terms of just on fire for their faith. I remember sitting with a pastor from uh, one of the countries that ends with Stan, mm-hmm. um, of which there's a few, but his church got bombed mm. and he was in the building. Um, and uh, that's intense persecution. Yeah. And I've never met someone who was just so on fire mm. and joyous for the Christian life. Uh, and I think sometimes God does use persecution and as, you know, to sort of bring alive our, our faith. Um, mm. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, that's probably not answering the question. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it? That we, we think in the West, oh, if I was being persecuted, um, I'd have nothing but sadness and maybe be angry with God or whatever. Mm. But when you, when you see people who are being persecuted, that's not necessarily the way that they're responding. And I think it's because of that spiritual perspective um, that's given by the spirit. And certainly in Perpetua's story, there's, you know, they're all interwoven is the spirit at work in her, um, showing her the spiritual reality so that she can endure what she is going through. So I think God gives us the resources um, under persecution to endure which then gives us so much more encouragement to go, wow, God's actually really real. And and, um, and it, it just brings all those really important things into sharp focus. Yeah. Um, where is it? It's in Hebrews somewhere that the writer talks about, um, oh, there it is, just found it, perfect. Um, Hebrews 10, uh, you suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because mm. you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence that we richly rewarded. You know, it's just that attitude to sort of come to the things of this world with that eternal horizon. Yes. Um, it's all about that perspective, isn't it? Big time. Big mm. time. Yeah. That's a hard word though, isn't it? It's super hard. It's super hard. And, and in, in, in terms of the question here, like, is it okay to be to not be happy in those mm. circumstances? I think it's totally reasonable to go... This is really hard. Yeah. Um, and, but what it would, uh, you know, produce in you is just that deeper dependence on God to yeah. go, no, I have to rely on him. I've got nothing else there. Um, you know, and perhaps producing that poor in spirit attitude to sort of go, I've got nothing else to give you. Yeah. Um, or everything's been taken or I fear for my life. I just have to depend on who you are, God. Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so um, our next question is a bit of a deep dive into Matthew 5.5. So it's, hi, could you please give us or help to explain this verse in layman's terms? Matthew 5.5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Yeah, so there's two elements here really, isn't there, Beck? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the the meek part and the inheritance part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the meek, uh, other translations go with gentleness on it. Mm-hmm. Um And so there's understanding what it means to be meek, what it means to be gentle. Uh, If I can remember my fruits of the spirit in Galatians 5, gentleness, I think, is a fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience, Kindness, goodness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and (laughs) self-control. Is that Colin? Colin. Yes. Colin for the win. Colin for the win. Uh, So it it is a fruit of the spirit. Like it's Mm. it's an evidence of the work of God in our life. Um, 
and again, you know, on Sunday we contrasted it to the world around us, even to the world around them, uh, mm-hmm. that saw gentleness very much as a vice, like, you know, you don't be gentle, you don't be meek. Um, and so Jesus really turning the tables of the values of that age and, you know, and the age around us uh, of, of what's valued and what's prized. Um, and, you know, I think Jesus himself embodies what it means to be meek yeah. And, and gentle in, in lots of, lots of occasions. Um, but then the second part for they will inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we read the word earth there, we, we should have in mind, uh, land. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're sort of thinking back to the promised land. Yep. Um, yeah. Have you got some thoughts on the inheritance? I was thinking that the land is like the kingdom of God and so the kingdom of God um, means different things throughout salvation history as that idea gets developed. And so when Jesus comes back, the kingdom of God and the land encapsulates the entire earth, the whole the whole world. So there's a sense in which the kingdom has arrived, but we're still waiting for the kingdom to, to fully encompass the entire globe mm-hmm. and have everyone who inhabits the globe be worshippers of Jesus. Um, and so my idea of um, the way I interpret the inheriting the earth with a, the help of a few commentators um, is that that's, that inhabiting the, the new earth and the, the new heavens and the new earth yep. um, under God's rule mm. and the idea of the meek inheriting the earth is that you can't force your way into that kingdom. You actually have to emulate the humility of Christ, understand being poor in spirit that you can't get there on your own yep. and put your own rights aside and just depend on God. And that's, that's mm. how you get in. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Psalm 37, I think is what sits underneath mm. all this. Um, so, you know, that would just take you to a couple of verses, uh, in there, uh, Psalm 37 verse eight, refrain from anger, turn away from wrath, do not fret, it leads only to evil for those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Mm. So again, I think going back to the Old Testament, like I think on first reading you go, I don't want to inherit the earth. I want to inherit the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the earth got to offer me? (laughs) Mm. Nothing. Um, But I think as we understand what was the inheritance that was sort of due to come, well, it was all about inheriting, going into the promised land, which, you know, as you really helpfully pointed out, Beck, you know, that salvation history, biblical theology, the promised land mm-hmm. becoming the new heavens and the new earth um, that we that we long for. So, yeah, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the kingdom of God could almost be uh, a valid way of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sounds good. Um, so the next question, sorry, I'm just ruffling my papers here. Um, the next question is about blessing, um, as well. So is it possible that God can and does bless us with good things this side of heaven as a result of our righteousness or good deeds? Perhaps it's my naive reading, but there are some Psalms that could suggest this. So is God rewarding righteousness now or later or what's happening there? Yeah. Um, there's so many things to un- unpick here, just in terms of the breadth of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, let's let's start unpicking and see <laughs> see where we end up, Beck. Um, so I think, firstly, um, you know, does God bless us with good things as a result of our righteousness or good deeds? Um, I think the first place I'd want to go is somewhere like Isaiah, I think it's 66, that talks about all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while we might think we're good, doing okay, um, <laughs> our internal motivation, I think we touched on this in a, in a previous mm-hmm. episode, um, may not always be as pure as we, we think it is. Um, so again, just touching on the result of our righteousness and, and our good deeds, you know, does God sort of look in his economy and go, yep, okay, Beck, you've done a good thing. Therefore I'm going to reward you with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I'd want to just push back slightly on that, uh, to say, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable with that sort of way of thinking. However, there is a created order to things. Mm. Uh, and so uh, there are natural consequences of doing good things, mm. um, which are good in and of themselves, um, in the same way that there are negative consequences for going against the created order. So when I sin, there's consequences around me uh, for mm. what happens in, in the same way that, you know, when good things happen. So, I, I, and I think you, you read through Proverbs and Psalms, which I, you know, they're sort of pointing to, and they pick up on all these things. And sometimes they say contrary things. You're like, how does that work? You know, and I think times they're wrestling with the created order, but wrestling with their everyday experience. Going, I know there's a created order, but sometimes it doesn't quite work. And I'm mm. like, and but part of me is like, yeah, that makes sense because that world is broken. Mm. It's broken by sin. Um, and uh, even Jesus Himself, when He heals the blind man in John, and uh, you know, the, the Pharisees ask him, you know, who sinned for this to happen? Mm. He said, you know, nobody sinned mm. for this to happen. Uh, this was here to display the glory of God. Um, but yet there's other times where there's a direct correlation um, between what happens with someone's sin and, and the result in there. So mm. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think that what the person asking the question is maybe thinking of is like maybe a Psalm 1 mm. that, you know, whatever – um, the right describes the righteous man, and then at that end of that first section of Psalm one says, "Whatever he does prospers." Um, and there are throughout the Old Testament, you do see blessing being like a reward for obeying God's laws. You do see that element to blessing, particularly in the Old Testament. Mm. However, then you have characters like Job, um, Jeremiah, and Elijah, yep. who really have a terrible time, but yeah. they are righteous people. God mm. himself says that Job is a righteous man mm. and yet he endures all this suffering. And that's the whole um, drama, I guess, with his friends trying to tell him you must have done something wrong um, to be suffering like this. But that's not the case. So I think that blessing um, can't just mean prosperity in the way that we think about it. It's more about a right relationship with God. And I think that is sort of looked at in the Old Testament um, in really sort of concrete terms, like you obey me, like in Deuteronomy, you obey me, um, people of Israel, and I will give you prosperity in the land. Yeah. So there's a cause and effect there. Mm. Um, But ultimately it's about God's blessing. It's about being in right relationship with him. So when you look at the biblical theology of blessing, you get into the New Testament and the blessing is Jesus. Mm. And he enables us to be in that right relationship with God. Mm. 
So I guess it's a it's about what does blessing mean through the whole Bible. Yeah. And that's the tricky thing. That's why I think there seems to be contradictions yep. when, at first blush. But when you look yeah. at it, it just means that blessing means different, not different things, but is fulfilled um, as we go through scripture. Mm. And I think the rubber hits the road here for people in terms of their experience of the world and what's going on for them. Mm. Like I remember chatting to one guy who was had chronic pain. Mm. Like chronic pain is hard. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I just sat and listened to his experience and it was tough to hear, let alone to, to go through. And the question he asked me at the end was, have I done something wrong? Wow. Um, and so pastorally, what, what, what he, I mean, my mind was spinning. Yeah, of you course. Know, um, going, uh, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a totally unsatisfactory yeah. answer for someone who's sort of right in the midst of sort of deep pain. I'm like, well, yes, you have done something wrong because you and I are sinners. Mm. Um, but no, like, you know, God's not necessarily punishing you for a particular sin. Um, God may be disciplining any disciplines in all sorts of ways. And that's a good thing because it shows us that we're, we're his sons and daughters when he does that. But I don't know, this is where I feel like this question starts to, the rubber hits the road on it pastorally yep. as to sort of what that starts to look like for us. Yeah, which actually leads into our next question, um, which is a lot of people who are not following God's kingdom seem to be doing pretty well. And a lot of people who are following God's kingdom seem to be struggling. So what do we do with this? It kind of resonates with the conversation we were just having. Mm. What would you do with the Beck? Oh, Wow. <laughs> it's, it is a really, really deep question. And, um, I think Nathan on Sunday mentioned Psalm 73, um, which really, um, encapsulates this idea. It's sort of the psalmist is almost complaining to God saying all the people who are wicked have these awesome lives. Mm. And here I am trying to obey you, Lord, and I am struggling. Like I've got all this hardship going on. Um, and so, yeah, if, if this is your question and you're wrestling with that, take a look at that psalm because it's really a real person working through that very issue. Mm. And um, you've got it open there, Dave. What, what's the psalmist's resolution? Um, what does he decide to do with all of this? Well, the last verse, mm-hmm. yeah, he says, but as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I would tell of all your deeds. Yeah. That's so we trust God. Yeah. Ultimately trust God. Yeah. And I think that's, um, where else is there to go? I think there's another Psalm that says, um, where can I go except to you? Mm. There's no other option. So yeah, yeah it's a and, matter of trusting him. It, it, and look, you know, um, while it's good to try and wrestle with, uh, uh the mind of God, mm. uh, in terms of how these things play out, um, you know, sometimes you are left with going, well, how unsearchable are you, God? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but regardless of our circumstances in which we find ourselves, whether they be good season, bad season, tough season, um, and regardless of who it is we see who's going well, whether they're Christian or not Christian, whether they trust God or not, um, our response is our response mm. to that, you know. So rather than looking across and going, well, they've got it so easy, God. Uh, again, that's a very earthly perspective. 
Um, time and time again, you know, the scriptures tell those who are poor just how rich they are. Like one of the churches in the book of Revelation says, you, you, are, you think you're poor, but oh boy, are you rich. Mm. Uh, and again, it's just um, more and more again, I just feel like I just get so entrenched in the world around me mm. that I forget heaven's real, that mm. it's coming, Jesus returning. Um, heaven's my home, you know, mm. um, and I start looking around and it, it, it changes you. Like if you don't have that heavenly reality put before you every now and then to go, that's, that's the real home, that's the real prize, that's the real blessing. Um, but in the meantime, we're sinners, we're caught up in the trivial of the here and now and uh, we need each other to sort of keep going. That's, yeah, like, mm. yeah, they do. Maybe they are richer. They're better. They got this and that. But you're going to heaven. Oh, how good's that? What a blessing. Yeah, that's right. And I think sometimes if we are struggling to trust God, um, even while we're trying to be obedient to him, we can think that maybe maybe God doesn't love us. Mm. Um, and that can be, why has God abandoned me? Like, again, go to the Psalms for some really good, um, poetry, really exploring those ideas. Um, but what I would want to encourage people is to consider that while we don't always know why God allows good people to suffer, not only is there a future hope that awaits them, um, but also you can look to the past and say, God has proven that he mm. does love me because of the sacrifice mm. that Jesus made for me. Yep. So why we don't always know the reason for our suffering, we can know what the reason that he's, he's not, <laughs> we know it's not because God has abandoned you. We know it's not because God doesn't love you. Yep. Um, so yeah, um, find your strength in him and, and just keep trusting mm. and share your burden with others too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Well said, Beck. Uh, yeah. It's a big, it's a big question. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> Probably huge. could talk about it all it's day. <laughs> I've, I've noticed I've noticed our producer James has been pretty quiet on these. Come on, James. Yeah, just managing the sounds, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. He's, um, he's still here. He hasn't fallen asleep yet. Not yet. I have been yawning. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, being honest. It is late in the afternoon, it is. to be fair. It is. Um, here's a question that I have that's kind of come out of this. So it's not on our sheet. So I'm going rogue as Ooh. the host. So you've come up with the answer already then? No. I want to know the answer. That's why I'm going to ask it. Um, so the Bible talks a bit about um, when we suffer, we're sharing in Christ's suffering so then we'll be glorified with Christ. So I'm thinking um, Romans 8, 17. Um, heirs, of, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So there's a sense that suffering now and glory are connected mm which is what we see in Jesus suffering and then he's glorified because if he's suffering and we share in that. Do you guys have any insight into that? Yeah, look, I think in this section in Romans 8, what uh, Paul is bringing to our attention um, is, uh, you know, the, the joy of being God's child, um, being able to call him Abba, Father. Mm. Uh, and I think the I feel like the point that he's making in there is like father, like son, mm -hmm. uh, or like child. Um, and so, you know, um, this, you know, Romans eight sixteen, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, 
if we are children, then we are heirs. So, hey, you know, not only a child, you are heir. Um, and so what, uh, what Jesus has by nature as an inheritance, we get by grace. Um, and so um, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. So Jesus becomes our brother, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, God, our father, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory, as in the life that he has lived um, isn't going to be a straightforward one. Mm. Um, but then again, the glory that we get is going to be amazing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I've, 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 I've always felt that section uh, is all about the joys of what it means to be uh, a co-heir uh, and have Jesus our brother. Um, but there's also the... With the victory comes the troubles. Yeah. Is that, yeah. is that fair? I think I think so. I guess what I've taken from that is an encouragement that when you're suffering, that's not the end of the story. Yeah. That we know how Jesus' story ends and we know that we are one with Christ, that we are, mm. have unity with Christ. So if we are suffering, we know how Christ's suffering ended and it ended in his glory. Mm. So our suffering will likewise end in glory. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I love that where he goes in the next verse out of uh, Romans 8, 17 to 18, and he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Mm. Um, and so while, yes, there's troubles today and we feel like things will be hard, Paul goes, mate, the troubles you have today compared to the eternal glory that's coming, like it's it's not even chalk and cheese. Like, mm. um and, you know, like I, I took a funeral this morning for uh, a lady, previous previous church and her grandma mm-hmm. and uh, preaching on Revelation 21. And uh, again, just reminding myself of just how amazing heaven is. Mm. Like, uh, and the newness of it. The newness means everything that is old is gone. And, you know, the death, the mourning, the crying, the pain. And just reminding myself that's, and God began, God's there. Like it's just, again, trying to be filled with the wonder of the, how just amazing of the glory that is yet to come for us to go, oh, that's going to be so good. That's going to be so good. Um, You know, I remember chatting with a guy who lived into his 90s and uh, faithful, lovely, great Christian man. And he just lived Philippians 1. You know, to mm. live is Christ, to die is gain. And as he got, you know, closer to the end of his life, he's just like, I'm just so happy to go home, to see my saviour, to be with my Lord. It's going to be painful. I want my wife to come with me, but it's not her time yet. Mm. Um, so that yes. perspective again, isn't amazing. it? Amazing. Yeah. Right? And it's a real challenge to us to, yeah. what are we really worried about sometimes? Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it's not that big a deal in the context yeah. of our whole eternity. I know. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So we're talking a lot about the future we and are. waiting for future blessings. And there's actually a question about, okay, so what do we do in the present? Um, so the question goes, um, hi, Dave, you mentioned that these blessings occur within the future. Um, so we're talking about the Beatitudes for this question, but it also relates to, I guess, everything we've just been talking about. What can we do in the present when we desire more than what we must wait for. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
in some ways it's not up to us. Uh, mm. Like what can we do in the present when we desire more? I mean, what Jesus gives us, he gives us. Um, and I think sort of what I was talking about on Sunday was uh, these are future things, you know, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted and they will inherit the earth. You know, we haven't inherited the earth. We're not completely filled. We're not, you know, um, completely comforted. The kingdom of heaven is not necessarily fully realized for mm. us yet. So they are all in the future. Um, uh, what do we do when we desire more? Well, we need to wait. Mm. Like, um, which is, uh, is it Titus, Titus 2? Um, I'm just going to flick. Yeah, have a flick. Over there. Um, and uh, if you ever get lost flicking over your Bible, all the T's are in alphabetical order. How um, helpful. Just in case, you know, just trying to fill the blank space, James. Um, <laughs> You're doing well, mate. Thank you. Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and God lives in this present age while we wait mm. for the blessed hope appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Um, so really the focus of our waiting time while we wait for the fully realised, you know, um, kingdom that is to come is what Titus tells us there. Um, to focus on saying no to ungodliness and worldly passions, live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Yep. That's the pursuit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's, you know, understanding we're not going to get it all now. And then while we do wait, well, let's get on and do the things that Jesus told us to do. Um, yeah, I think, do you want to add something? Yeah, no, I was thinking the same along the same lines. I think that Jesus has given us these blessings, but he's also given us um, instructions um, that, that are accompanied by the blessings in a way. Um, and so he's given us things to do to bring his kingdom to bear in the here and now. So mm. we're not just waiting for Jesus to come back, but we're also trying to foster and cultivate the kingdom wherever we go um, so that we can, yeah, so we're having some of the kingdom of God now. Like you said, it's not the fully realized kingdom of God, yeah. but we can be doing things to um, to be the kingdom of God wherever we are when we are following Jesus yeah. in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. I think I've always wanted to preach a talk that said why doctors' waiting rooms have ruined your Christian life. <laughs> um, okay, continue. Because uh, they've destroyed the word wait. Mm -hmm. Because our expectation of wait is you you go, you wait, and while you wait, you just kill time. Dead time. And you're just like, I've got nothing to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll scroll Facebook, I'll, you know, um, read a Woman's Weekly from 1974 and... <laughs> You know, I have clearly I have not been to the doctors for a long time, um, and uh, but that's 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 the idea of waiting these days, isn't yep. it? Like it's, it's it's a waste. It's a waste. Whereas Jesus, that's not the wait mm -hmm. that Jesus wants us to. But anyway, um, no one's cleared me on that uh, sermon title yet, Beck. So uh, I don't think I can give you that <laughs> clearance. That's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> that's probably it's probably good to to knock that one back. Mm -hmm. No, but I think that's I think that's a good a good thought. Like we're not just waiting, sitting on our hands. We are mm. doing things, um, as part of that wait. And there, isn't there a parable, oh man, um, uh, where it talks about the waiting for the bridegroom and, and being alert and, um, oh, I'm, I'm revealing my lack of biblical knowledge, but I'm, it just reminded me of the, 
the people who are waiting um, for the bridegroom and they need to keep their oil. Yeah, that one. Preparing. That and, one. Yeah. When you see when you see back on Sunday, just say here it is because I, yeah. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me know. I've got a Q and A for you guys. <laughs> Where's that passage? There. Um, yeah. So we're not just waiting around, but I would also add um, looking back to what Jesus has already done for us um, while we wait. Mm. Um, and looking forward. So, and that transforms our presence, that present, that, that has been what we've been talking about is that perspective, which transforms our present because we know what's coming. We know what's gone before Mm. and we can live in the light of that. Yeah. Love it. Good work. All right. Well, thank you. (laughs) Do I get a special sound, James? (laughs) I don't know. Do you want this one? No, of course oh, I don't want that one. I was thinking more of like applause. Yes, yeah, thank there you. Yeah, there we that's go. That's better. Got you covered. Oh, wow. It doesn't feel super meek it's gonna go and humble. I know. I know. Okay, that's know. enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> Who gave him that? Um, all right. So, yeah, that brings us to the close of our questions. But um, can you fill us in on what's happening on Sunday? We've got a yes. special Sunday coming yeah, up. Yeah, very special Sunday. Compassion Sunday. Uh, so we have uh, a couple of guys coming from Compassion, uh, one former sponsor child. That's so exciting. Uh, and he's, I've met him before mm-hmm. and he's viewed him before. He has a fantastic story. Um, I'm really excited that our church family gets to hear it uh, and gets to see just the amazing difference that the work of Compassion does in the lives of children. So um, I'm looking forward to opening God's word to us. Um and uh, been wrestling with with that in terms of sort of where where we're going to go on it, um, but it's starting to settle in my mind. It's, it's only Thursday, Beck. Um, <laughs> Sunday's not quite upon us just yet, but I've got a pretty clear idea uh, in terms of just understanding how what God thinks about poverty today, uh, in you know in sort of two different ways in terms of eradicating the earthly poverty, but cultivating that spiritual poverty, mm. and I think. What compassion does fits beautifully with the scriptures, um, mm. and I, I, you know, I'm upfront that I, I just love the work they do. Um, mm. Every church I've gone to, I've introduced compassion if they haven't had it. So I was thrilled when compassion was was here, yeah. and so um, there's about 184 kids sponsored uh, wow. through compassion, uh, and I'm unashamedly saying I'd love to see that get to 200 mm-hmm. by the end of our Sunday together. Great. It's a good challenge. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's our podcast for this week. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you on Sunday. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love for you to join us at Kellyville Anglican any Sunday at 8.30, 10.30 or 6.15. If you can't visit us in person, you can also join us online. If you've got any questions about God, then we have a great event coming up that we'd love to invite you to. Over three weeks in July, we're running our Winter Wonder event where we take time to wonder together about who God really is. What is he like? Did God actually say this or that? If you're keen to ask some big questions about God and hear the answers, then come join us on the 3rd, 10th or 17th of July. You can find out more at www.kac.sydney or find us on Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to see you there.